Amen. Tell you what, that minute wasn't long enough. We need to have a, let's do 90 seconds next time, Naomi, okay? (laughs) That went about too quick. Psalm chapter 34 is what we've been going over this uh, entire summer, June and July. Two more weeks. This is week number six. We've got this week and we've got next week. Um, and so Psalm chapter 34 is our foundation with, with verse 8 being our cornerstone. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How many of you know that the Lord is good? He is a good, good God. We learned last week that he is a big God as well. You notice that NASA puts out that picture like right after the sermon that I preach, right? Talking about, you know, that new picture is like, you know, hey, we found where God is. But <laughs> it's like that new picture comes out. But uh, let's look at Psalm chapter 34. We're going to read this together once again. See how good the Lord is. Psalm chapter 34, if you have it. Starting in verse 1, reading in the NLT. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak His praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt His name together. I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Has anyone prayed to the Lord before? Has He answered you? Those who look to Him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear Him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. Fear the Lord, you His godly people. For those who fear Him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. But those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you to fear the Lord. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. He will erase their memory from the earth. The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Calamity will surely destroy the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be punished. But the Lord will redeem those who serve Him. No one who takes refuge in Him will be condemned. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. What a great chapter that we have been looking over this summer and really dissecting Looking how God is good and then our response to Him, that we are to praise and to pray in all situations and all the time. Um, and then we go back to looking about how good God is and 
that he's close to the brokenhearted, uh, and that he is a big, big God, and so we want to fear him. And we learned last week that you can either fear everything, or you can fear God and nothing else. And I want to fear God, knowing that he is walking with me close to the brokenhearted. And now, the last two weeks, we're looking back at our possible response back to him, back to who is a good God. And so, the last, last several verses, the last uh, really ten verses, kind of go back and forth a little bit of him talking to the, about the righteous and then talking about the wicked. That the righteous is going to do this and the wicked is going to do this and, and here's how I'm going to treat the righteous, here's how I'm going to treat the wicked and it kind of goes back and forth a little bit. So that's what we're looking at the next two weeks. We're talking about the righteous this week, talking about the wicked next week. And so zooming in, looking at verse 12, it says, uh, ask a question here. Psalm 34, verse 12 says, Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Anyone? Sure, I'll I'll sign up for that. (laughs) I'd love to live a life that is long and prosperous. Now, this is a principle in the Word of God, okay? There's principles and there's promises. And so you can look at this. Uh, which we know kind of where he's going a little bit with this, that those who follow the Lord are going to live a long and prosperous life. Now, we can think of people in our minds, um, in history, or maybe even in our own lives, that they did not live for the Lord, but yet they lived a long time, and they seemed to be fairly prosperous. And then we also know people who have served the Lord all their life, but yet it was a short life what we would consider maybe, Uh, and maybe they didn't have as much as somebody else. And so this is what's called a principle in the Word of God. There's principles and there's promises. And so promises in the Word of God is this is going to happen, okay? And so a, a good promise in the Word of God is seen at the end of Matthew chapter 28 when he says, Behold, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. You've read that, right? The Great Commission. That is a promise of the Lord. That's not a principle like it might happen. That that is a promise of the Lord. God is walking with you. And that is good news. God is walking with all of us. And he says that, behold, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the earth. And so that is a promise that that is going to happen. Then we have principles that we live our life by. Okay? How many of you heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away? Okay? That's kind of a principle. Okay? That's not a promise like from from the big, like, Granny Smith Apple Company, okay? Like, if you're just, like, downing apples all the time, and then you get sick, you can't sue Granny Smith Apple, right? You know that. that that's, that's not, a, like, a promise. Everybody understand that? <laughs> you know, where's that conglomerate? Those, they tricked me, okay? <laughs> I ate apples every day, and I got a cold. No. It's a principle that basically says if you eat healthy, generally speaking, you're going to be fairly healthy, Right? And if you constantly eat garbage all the time, then you can't wonder why you're sick all the time, right? So that, that's a principle, okay? That's different than a promise. I think that, that'd be a good sermon series, by the way, talking about principles and promises. Maybe that, I'll, I'll mark that down. Principles and promise. This is, a, this is an example of a principle. Does anyone who wants to live a life that is long and prosperous, and of course that's leading into following the Lord, but also, also with this principle idea, Definitions are very important. It's important what the definitions are, and it's important who's the one that is defining those things. 
right? So if I was to introduce you to someone and say, hey, this is Jim, and he's successful. Okay, well, successful at what? Right? Like it matters, like what we're talking about, successful. Maybe when I said successful, you thought financially speaking. Many times that's what people think of when they think successful. But maybe I didn't mean successful financially. Maybe I just meant that he's got a lot of friends. Uh, or there could be some other reason why that I think that he is successful. But also, even if I was talking finances, compared to somebody else, maybe he's not doing very good. Right? So, depending on what the definition of successful is, and then who is defining what success is, I think matters. Follow me? Tracking me so far? Okay. So, God is the one who is doing the speaking here. And he says... Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Well, it's long and prosperous as God defines it, not as we define it. So there are some people who live on this life, and the world might say, wow, they lived a long and prosperous life. But when they meet the Lord after life, they're going to find out quick it was not as prosperous as they thought that it was. Or at the very least, it was not in the way that God defines prosperous. And there are many of us that maybe we live a a, a quiet life, a humble life that many in this world would not call prosperous, but yet we're going to walk in the glory. And there's going to be streets of gold and pearly gates and all these things, and we're going to be feeling pretty prosperous. (laughs) So it depends on who is defining this. And so we're going to go with God's definition here. I want to live a life that God says is prosperous, is long and prosperous. And so then he tells us how to do that with the next verse. It says, then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. So he's just given us a couple of things here. Now there's a, many other things that he could have listed and talked about. Paul, in fact, makes several lists of lists uh, where he talks about here's some, uh, some attributes of the wicked, here's some attributes of the righteous. And so David here and, and God here gives us a couple of things. But if you want to live a life that God would consider, that God would consider long and prosperous, then we keep ourselves from, from speaking evil. We keep ourselves away from what is evil. And if we do that, then God will say, well done my good and faithful servants. How many of you want to hear that one day? The world may not say, well done, boy, you left your mark on this, wor- on this earth. But I don't care if they tell me well done. What I want to hear is God say, well done, Adam, my good and faithful servants. That's what I want to hear. And so I keep myself from these things that make a, a, a that, may, uh, uh, that hurt my relationship with God. And so I keep my tongue from speaking evil. I keep my lips from telling lies. I turn away from evil and I search for peace and I work to maintain it. It's all about your definitions. Who you are trying to please. Are you trying to please the world? Are you trying to please yourself? Are you trying to please the Lord? Then he says the next verse. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. Now, 
understanding this, understanding this kind of tells us a lot about who we are, what we do, how we think, and the actions that we're going to do because of this, okay? So when I say that the Lord is watching you, the Lord watches you, the Lord is looking at you, okay? We tend to think one of two thoughts, and there, and there may be some in the middle here, but for the most part, when someone hears the Lord or God is watching you or is looking at you or has his eye on you, there's one of two thoughts that, that kind of come, come to play. There's this one thought where he's looking at me, waiting for me to make a mistake. Like he's looking at you, okay? And there's like, like an unsettling feeling. Have you ever felt like someone's watching you? You know? You're like, you, you feel like you're walking down the street and you feel like somebody's walking you and then it's like you forget how to walk. You start like walking different because you're like, I don't know. It's like, it's weird when you feel like somebody's wa- watching you and it's unsettling. Maybe you're at a restaurant and you, and you just happen to look over and, and you catch eyes with someone and you don't know who they are, you know, but you just kind of catch eyes with them and you look back, you know, and then you're kind of eating and then you just happen to look over again and they're still looking at you. What are you doing, man? Like, leave me alone, Okay. That's so awkward, catching eyes with people that you don't know, and then to do it again, and then to maybe a third, you know, it's like, oh my, I don't know who you are, okay, stop looking at me. So now you like turn your chairs, you're going to eat this way, okay, because you're just not even going to, you're not even going to look at the guy. It's a weird feeling, it just is, when someone is just looking at you and you don't know why. And so, when you have, when, when you feel, when you hear, God is watching you. Some of us have this, this sensation of, of, of this unsettling, of this, um, okay, I've got I to gotta mind my P's and Q's, I, I, you know, what am I doing here, what am I, you know, and you, you try to straighten up a little bit because you're like, okay, you know, God is you know, watching me or someone is watching me, and so you feel unnerved and, and, and you're not exactly sure what to do, but you know that you're uncomfortable, and that comes from a place of God is holy and we are unholy. And so we're just, we assume that God is waiting for us to make a mistake. And preachers have been preaching this for a hundred years. That God's up there with a baseball bat just ready to hit you as soon as you mess up. And some of us think that way. Or at least used to think that way. So when you hear God is watching you, does that have a negative connotation to you? When someone that, that is looking at you. And so we, maybe there's this feeling of, of a prison security guard, you know? Where he's like looking down, like you're in prison, and he looks at you and sees you as a criminal. Someone who has done wrong in the past, and you're probably going to try to escape, you know? You're probably trying to do something wrong again. If we were to let you out, you'd go back to your, you know evil ways and all of this, and he's got his Uzi or his, you know, whatever, and he's just waiting on you, and he's looking at you, and he's just waiting, all right, you you know, you better be good if you want to get off on good behavior, right? And there are many who think this way, and I I gotta be honest with you, Satan has actually done a pretty good job of deceiving this world, and even people in the church, to make people think that 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 is God, that is how God views us. That he is waiting, that he's watching us, but he's watching to make sure you do what you're supposed to be doing. 
And if not, I'm going to come down there. And so we base all of our decisions on this. Now, there's some of us who, when you hear God is watching you, okay, there is a calm that comes over you. Mostly because we, we kind of add a word. It's not that God is watching you, God is watching over you. And so you have this sense that you're like, thank God he's watching me, you know? Because he is a good, good father. And so you're thankful that you don't live life by yourself, just hurling through the universe trying to figure stuff out, but you've got a God that looks over you and that watches you. And not only a God, but a good God who's looking to lead you and guide you and bless you and do all these things. It's, more, it's not so much a prison security guard, but almost like a security system where it's like it sees you and wants to notify you of danger that's coming. You know, the door's open, the window's up, okay? You need to, you know, right? So it's like watching over you to protect you. It's like you might want to close that back door because something's going to come in and you don't want it to come in, okay? And that's that temptation. And so it lets you know, not because you're a bad person, but because there's something that might want to get in that you don't want to let get in, go and close the back door, okay? So there's kind of this system here. As a loving father, he watches us. He watches over us. And depending on how you tend to look at the Lord really determines just about everything. It determines even your actions. So if you're over here on this side and, and you see God as... as even if there is a God, you see God as someone who's waiting on you to make a mistake, you start making decisions like this, okay? So as you go to parent your children, okay, you look at, okay, well, God's watching me, and I'm going to do it wrong anyway, and so I'm just trying to figure this out uh, because I've got to please, you know, the man upstairs, and so I've got to do this or whatever, and so you're looking for help from anywhere that you can get to, to figure out how to do this, where God wants you to focus on Him. And so you start teaching or, or parenting your children the way that the world tells you to parent your children because you don't trust the guy upstairs because he's mean anyway. And so you're trying to figure this out. And so now you start telling your children things that don't make any sense. You tell your, yeah, you, you know, yeah, go out and hang out with those, with those children, with those, uh, with those friends of yours because, you know, teenagers, they need to learn how to make mistakes. You're like, what? What, is the, what does that even mean? Like, go make mistakes now? Like, there are some mistakes you can't undo, okay? <laughs> go and make mistakes now. Uh, so w- when you hear that, you're like, yeah, go do that. Go make your mistakes. That's coming from a place of there's an angry God up here just waiting. You know what? Just Everybody's got to figure it out, okay? You're six years old. Figure out your identity. You're, you're 14 years old. Figure out who you like and what you don't like. And we live in this world because you don't trust the God up here. However, if you're a parent that views God as a loving God, then you know that saying no to your children is a good thing. Because there are some things your children do not need to do. You've already done the legwork. You know it doesn't work, okay? 
And so you say no, and they come back at you with, well, you're just trying to, you know, ruin my life. Yes, I'm trying to ruin your life. That's exactly what it is. Because your life does not, you know, the way that you view how you uh, love life does not reach heaven. But this right here does. And so we say no to some things because we love our kids. And so you parent that way. So if, if you view God as a mean God, you're going to parent this way. If you view God as a loving and a good God, you parent this way. Other decisions, maybe you have a life change. You're changing jobs, you're looking for direction, you're now heading into retirement, whatever it is. If, if you believe that God is mean, then you are trying to get what is yours. And you're trying to figure out your own way in this because you're going to fail him anyway, so you might as well try to, try to figure it out for yourself. And that's how you make a decision. Where, where I'm supposed to live, what job I'm supposed to have, I'm going to retire. However, if you are living a life where you know that God is good, then you go to him and you say, God, what do you want me to do? And then he highlights a past because he's a good God that leads you and guides you in what he wants you to do. Every decision that we make is based on how we're going to view God. And I'm here to tell you, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that he is good. David learned this. David tasted and he saw that the Lord is good. That even while he's alone in a cave and his mentor and king is out to kill him, he knows that God is with him. He doesn't see the Lord as an angry king out to punish him. He sees King Saul is that way, but that just reinforces that we can't put our faith and trust in people. But we put our faith and our trust in God. So he says, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And so how do we think? Some of you are like, I kind of tend to think that way over here. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Give him a shot. Give him a try. Read his word, walk in his ways, and you will see how good God is. God's vision is reliable. God's vision is reliable. Our vision is not always reliable, but God's vision is reliable. Have you ever been driving a car and you see, you're trying to find out where your turn is and, you, and, and you're with somebody and they say, hey, the turn's up here to the right. And you're like, where? I can't see it. And you're looking and you can't quite see it because your vision's not reliable. You can't see that far into the future. But God's vision is reliable. He's in the past, he's in the present, he's in the future, he's the same yesterday, today, forever. His vision is reliable. You can trust in his vision. So when he sees, when he says that the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, you can trust in what he says when he leads and he guides you. Verse 19 says, the righteous person faces many troubles. Once again, we don't turn to Christianity because it's <laughs> snow cones and barbecues all the time, okay? It's, listen, (laughs) the righteous person faces many troubles, okay? So you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Do you look at God? Well, that mean God, he's not going to help me. Or do you look and do you say, God's a good God. And in the middle of this, I know he's walking with me. The righteous person faces many troubles. 
but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Why? Because he's a good God. For the Lord protects the bones of the righteous. Not one of them is broken. Once again, principally. Not one of them is broken. The Lord protects us. The Lord protects us. He even said it back in verse 7, For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Church, he is a good God. And he guards us, and he protects us, and he watches over us because he loves us. And he wants to keep us from anything that's trying to harm us or to put a wedge between our relationship with him. David's son, Solomon, wrote this in Proverbs 15, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. So we want him to watch over the wicked as well, which we're going to talk more about next week. But have you, you, know, have you thought, God, did you see that? That was wicked. Yes, he saw that, okay? He saw it. Okay? We'll, we'll talk about that next week. All right. <clears throat> but the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, and he keeps watch. Second Chronicles, there's King Asa. I'm going to turn to you because I'm going to add another verse. Adding verses on the fly here. Second, Second Chronicles. King Asa. Many of you know King Asa. He, there were not many good kings <laughs> uh, to speak of in Israel's history during this time, but King Asa was a bright spot, at least for a little while. King Asa, in, uh, in verse 14, then his son Asa became the next king. There was peace in the land for ten years. Asa did what was pleasing and good in the sight of the Lord his God. He did what was pleasing in God's sight. That means there is something that is pleasing in the culture's sight. What the culture says is right. What the world says is right. And sometimes that is different than what God says is right. That there is a way to live, even here in America, even in 2022, that the culture or the world says is the right way to live or the right way to think or the right way to vote or the right way to whatever. And sometimes that goes counter to what God sees and says King Asa did what was right in the sight of the Lord where other kings and other things, other people did what was right in their sight or in the world's sight. That is so important. It is so important to see and to know that there are many people who have come before us who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord to set us a, an example of how to live. And so King Asa for a long time did that. Unfortunately, there was a time at the end of his life where he began to look at other things, looked at his physicians. He, he got a, a foot disease and he trusted in his physicians, not in the Lord, and so we had a prophet come, Hanina, came and actually confronted him in verse nine, uh, 16, verse 9. And Hanina says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. And, war, and Asa was at war for the rest of his life there. But the prophet knew what was going on. He says, the eyes of the Lord, he's not over here. The eyes of the Lord is searching and he's looking. And he's not a prison guard. The eyes of the Lord is searching for who he can strengthen. Those hearts that are fully committed to God. Not 50%, not 75%, not 99%. But those who are fully committed to the Lord. 
You look in Luke, Zechariah and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Oh, oh, to be called righteous in God's eyes. Man. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous, not in the world's eyes, in God's eyes. Well, why? How do you know? They were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They did what the Lord said to do. And they followed him. And then it went to their son John. Verse uh, 14. You will have a great joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth, John the Baptist. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. I don't want to be great in the eyes of the culture and the world today. I want to be great in the eyes of the Lord. Again, it depends on your definition. Who do you want to be great in the eyes of? And that's up to you and up to us. Up to all of us every single day. Every single day. Week, month, year for the rest of our life. (laughs) Every single day. Who do we choose to be right? Because you can make decisions that make yourself right in the world's eyes. Or you can make decisions that are right based on God's eyes. And what I do know is that if you're looking for the world's protection... Sorry. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about God's protection over here, right? Like, we're talking about God's protection, the one that's bigger than the whole universe we talked about last week. I'd rather be protected and looked over by Him than what's going on here. Are, are we putting our faith in all of our politicians, seriously? Do we wake up and go, thank God that Bill Gates has my back? I mean, really? Like, that's what we think? Or do we think, thank God that God has my back? Thank God. Listen, there are people that can do some good things sometimes. But that's, this world is corrupted by sin, selfishness. We can't put our faith and trust in what the world has to offer. But we can in Jesus Christ. taste and see that the Lord is good. Last verses. 1 Peter chapter 3. Peter is, I think he's a good, good one to look at. He's one that followed Jesus around for a little while. Wrote two books. He says in chapter 3 of 1 Peter, says, finally, All of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender-hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. So he's talking to the church, and he's talking to us as, as church people. How we are to interact with each other, how we're supposed to love each other. This is where we're at, okay? We're going to be people who are going to trust a good, good God, not not this world. And so he says, this is how you should do it, church. You need to be of one mind, okay? You need to come together, sympathize with each other, 
Like, like we're, we're human. We're going to stumble from, we might stumble from time to time. We're there to pick each other up, okay? Love each other as brothers and sisters. You're not strangers, okay? Be tender-hearted. Keep a humble attitude. Oh, man. We need a humble attitude in this culture here today. A humble attitude of knowing who we are and who God is. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Pay them back with a blessing. So Peter is telling us kind of how we should live, how we should treat each other. Then he says, that is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing for the scriptures say. All right, so Peter is about to quote the Old Testament. He's about to quote scripture in, in this realm of how we are supposed to treat each other, okay? We're supposed to be humble with each other. We're supposed to love each other. Listen, you're going to make mistakes. Be tender-hearted. Don't repay evil for evil, insult for insult. Love each other. Work together. Be unified in the body. And so he says all of this, and then he's going to quote Scripture as to his why to do all of this. Okay? So let's see what Scripture he quotes in verse 11 and see if you've heard this verse before. If you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. And His ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns His face against those who do evil. Peter quoted my verse. He stole from me. Actually, I stole from him. He did it first, okay? That's exactly what we're talking about. As Peter is telling us how we're supposed to interact with each other and, and love each other and be there for each other, he then quotes Psalm 34 in what David said. David said that the eyes of the Lord are watching over us. And that's how we are to live. That's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> Thank you, Peter, for reminding us of this verse and reminding us of what God is doing. Listen, church, we serve a good, good God. And He is a good God that watches over us. Not stares at us with a rifle, but He watches over us. And not only that, He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. Did you know that? That He is a trustworthy God that we can lean on and we can say, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that He is watching over me. As the band, as the, band the worship team begins to play, we're going to go into a time of prayer. So if you would stand this morning with us. <coughs> Thank you, Lord, for being a good God. Thank you, Lord, for being a good God that watches over us, that keeps us. Lord, we thank you, God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be changed by the renewing of our mind. That our mind is not set on, on looking at a, an evil God or a mean God or a vindictive God. On a loving protecting God 
as he watches over the righteous. And as we talk about the wicked next week, God, I pray that we are righteous and that we set ourselves up to follow you. So we're going to go into a time of prayer here this morning. Prayer and worship. But I want to ask those of you here who are here today, so for a couple of people. So we're going to, we're going to find a place to pray. And again, remember, I, I, I want us to love the altar. Love and, 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 and it become commonplace for us to step out and say, I need to talk to the Lord for a minute. Either because of the, something pricked your heart in the message or in the word, or just because I want to talk to the Lord for a moment. So it needs to be commonplace that we come to the altar and that we talk to the Lord. So I want to ask you here today for a couple of people. First of all, are you here today and maybe you have spent your whole life kind of living on, on this side where you think that God is mean and he's vindictive and, you know, you know, this bad thing happened to me, so therefore God is bad. And I'm here to tell you God was with you the whole time. The reason why you've made it this far, okay, is because God has been with you. So if you're here today and you want to ask Jesus, as we say, in your heart. You want to give your life to the Lord. I, I, I want to talk with you. I don't want to talk. I want to talk with you. So here in just a moment, if you want to give your heart to the Lord, I'm going to meet you over here on, on my right, your left, where the, where the door is over here. And so if you want to give your heart to the Lord, I, I just want to talk with you. I want to pray with you and welcome you into the family of God. There's no need to view God like this when he's not like this. You have been misinformed because our God is a good God. And you say, okay, well, I want to, okay, let's, let's, let's taste and see. Let's taste and see that the Lord is good. So in just a moment, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. If you're here today and you sometimes, you love the Lord, but you kind of struggle sometimes with, Sometimes you think this, sometimes you think this, and you kind of go back and forth, and, and, and you want to fall back in love with that Lord that you know is good. Then I want you to find a place to pray in just a moment and talk to the Lord. Say, God, help me, because I'm going through this in my life, I'm going through this, and I need a good God with me. A good God and a big God that is with me. And then all of us can worship the Lord and give Him praise and sing songs to Him. So I'd like us to find a place to pray. Can you give your heart to the Lord? I'd love to meet you over here. If you want to come down and pray, God, I, I need a good God because I'm going through this right now. So Lord, I pray that you would heal and touch and whatever it may be. Or then all of us can worship the Lord. So let's go. One, two, three, go. If that's you, I want you to move. I want you to find a place to pray. And we're going to lift you up this morning. Lord, we're going to lift you up this morning. We're going to praise you. And we pray for those who are coming forward who say, I want... I need a touch from the Lord today. I need a good, good God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, meet us here today as we worship you and as we pray to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we thank you that you are with us. You are Emmanuel. God with us. Lord, help us to remember that, that you are walking with us. You don't, you don't leave us just to our devices to figure it out. God, you are a good God who walks with us, who guards us, 
who, who leads us in the front, telling us where to go, leading us. You, you stand behind us to fight off the fiery darts from the enemy, Lord. Lord, you, you stand bes- behind us to guard us. Lord, you walk beside us so that when we stumble, you are quick to be there to catch us and to walk alongside us. Lord, you're in front of us. You're behind us. You're walking next to us. But God, you are, you are inside of us, giving us strength and power and presence to be able to know that we can do what you've asked us to do. Lord, your spirit is living inside of us. Thank you, Lord. You are all around us. That is what a good God does. So we as the righteous, we lift our eyes and our hands and our voices to you. And we say thank you. Come on church, can you just say thank you? Thank the Lord for a moment. Thank you Jesus for walking with us. Thank you Lord. Thank you God. Thank you for being a good, good God. I pray, Lord, that everyone who is here today, those who are watching online, I pray that they would taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus.